If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's completely free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Strictly Sports. I am Jacob Brown. Joining here with CJ Uri and Steve Cashin. We got a big week this week. Week 17 in the NFL. College football semifinal playoff games. We got a bunch of stuff going on today. So first of all, CJ, Steve, how you guys doing today? Pretty good. Uh, it's another Tuesday. You know, I'm no longer uh, Team Apple, as I stated after that uh, ferocious take on the podcast. I had to switch over from Apple to Microsoft, so I'm now rocking a Microsoft Surface Pro 7. It is pretty sweet. So goodbye, Apple. Done with you. There are more ports on this tab, tablet slash laptop than any Microsoft or any Apple device, and I don't need a brick for it. I have plugged my uh, microphone into my laptop without some brick I had to pay $70 for. So goodbye, Apple, and uh, it's a good day today. Tim Cook is crying that uh, he lost CJ's uh, business today. It's, uh, it's a tragedy over at Apple. How you doing, Steve? Uh, hanging in there. Uh, it's, we're day, day two past the Blake Snell trade. Uh, still can't believe that happens. But, uh, you know, last week of 2020, this year's finally over. It seems like it's been an eternity. But good year in sports, I would say. Um, wrap it up here this week with week 17 and uh, in the playoffs. And the Bucks are in the playoffs, actually. Uh, it's first time in 13 years I've seen them in the dance. So that's exciting. So, uh Get ready to roll here. Yeah, so we're, we're going to start off here talking about FAU football, and I'm not going to sugarcoat it here. The end of the season was not too pretty for FAU. Uh, they lost their final few games. They didn't look too hot in that game against Memphis in the bowl game. Um, here's the thing. We kind of knew offensively FAU was going to struggle. They struggled against opponents earlier in the year. The game I was supposed to call that I went to, uh, I was in the press box for the Western Kentucky game. I was sitting there like, this offense is going to be trouble, and they were able to kind of carry it a few weeks later, get some wins, but then they got those higher opponents, the Georgia Southerns, uh, the Memphises, and then the, the offense just became too big of a problem. The defense is special, though, and, and that's something to really uh, rally behind. Uh, but there is a good future for FAU. They did, uh, they're, they're recruiting a four-star quarterback. There's some people, uh, maybe someone on this pod that's not too fond of Willie Taggart, but Let's talk about FAU's final end of the season. Steve, how did, how did you think that went for FAU at the end? Uh, it was a little disappointing, to say the least. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of good takeaways from this team this year, watching them. I mean, it's, you have been saying it's been it's COVID year, not enough preparation, I think, in the beginning. But uh, just to drop the last three games of the season kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth. You finished, what, uh, five and – Five and five, five and six. Am I correct? I believe. Um, but to drop the last, no, five and four. They finished. But five and four. I think yeah. as a as a statement for the for FAU, I think they had a great opportunity to 
to win the last two out of three, you finish uh, you know, seven and four, eight and four potentially, but instead you drop to 500. Um, I mean, I like this defense a ton. Uh, they, they really held Memphis to, to nothing all game. They, a couple big plays here and there, and that kind of kicked the door open for them. But it's just the theme all year was FAU's offense couldn't get anything rolling. And Tronti wasn't the guy that we thought he was going to be. I thought he was going to be able to move the ball a little bit more um, than he did. But, you know, it is what it is. They have a couple four stars on the way next year. And I just think the biggest question mark going into next year is Willie Taggart. And I, I, I said it in the beginning when he got here. It's like he's a great recruiter. I'm not taking anything away from him. But I think X's and O's on the field, it's just not there yet. I, I've seen it in motion at FSU. But I just think he's just got to get more engaged on the field, get mad, get angry just push these guys to the next level because that defense is elite. It's one of the best defenses in all of college football. And they get don't get enough recognition because they don't win enough games on the field this year. And so that defense will be back next year. I think they've seen more offense and a little bit of push on the field. So um, not a bad year overall after the way it started. Uh, had a little bounce back. Lost to Marshall by 10 points with their whole team out practically. But – We'll see what they what they got next year. I just think it was a bad taste in your mouth to get beat like that to, uh, against Memphis last game of the year, but not the end of the world. Yeah. So, um, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive FAU fan. I, I don't miss a game. Uh, I buy merch whenever it's available, and I can pay for it. Uh, when COVID is over, I will definitely be attending as many home games as possible. I'm already planning a big tailgate for the FAU Marshall game because they'll be coming to town next year. We got to get revenge on them. Um, look, I think that this, the start of the season, you kind of knew in game one when we had Charlotte at home that this would be an offense that was going to be very lackluster. And I can't blame Willie really this year. I can't because um, Tronti is not a, a, a pocket passer. He's not really a passer, uh, uh, unfortunately. He's not a, he doesn't have the mechanics to be a division one passer in my opinion i don't think he would succeed at 95 percent of the schools and uh fau is one of them that he's not going to succeed at that's why they've already gone out and got a quarterback that transferred the backup from penn state which i'm very excited about and then our backup with jv on posey who's really an athlete he's more of a running back wide receiver he doesn't really throw the ball um so you're not going to win like that when a team knows that you are going to run the ball they're going to stack the box. And when a team dares you to throw and then you throw it and it's like not good passing, you're not going to win football games. And the, the defense kept them in so many games. That's why they started off the year, like what, five and one. They, they, they were getting votes for the AP top 25. If they kept it up like that, they probably would have snuck in, but it wasn't going to happen because this offense is so bad. Now, now you look at what else Willie Taggart had to deal with. Malcolm Davidson out, didn't play this year. BJ Emmons missed like their last four games. That's a huge blow. That's your starting running back. Larry McCammon, who is the heir to the throne at running back for the for, for FAU, who I think is an absolute stud, got a season-ending injury against Marshall. So now you're left with James Charles. Or, or yeah, or with Charles. Charles is a four, three to five-yard back. He's not a guy who's going to turn it upfield. He's not. He runs very hard, but he's like a he's like what Frank Gore is right now, who's just going to power through, get you three or five. But people stack the box against him. So the offense was always, always going to be absolutely just obliterated just off of injuries and the fact that we don't have Chris Robeson anymore. 
So Willie couldn't do Willie couldn't do anything with that. Now something that I am like severely disappointed in, and I don't know if it's coaching or losing guys. I don't know, but the O line, like I don't know what Lane Kiffin recruited to to FAU, but this O line was is just so brutal, and these these guys look so small. Like I haven't seen an FAU O line look this small before, and just get tossed out of the building. The offense was in, in was an absolute train wreck apart from skill positions. And you can't get if you can't get the skill positions of the ball, it doesn't matter. Hats off to the defense. They got a few guys that I believe can be in the league next year. I think Leighton McCarthy might get drafted this year. Zion Gilbert might get drafted this year because they're actually legitimate prospects to go between rounds four and seven. So who knows? Um, but after that, the defense is set for next year. I think they've got some awesome pieces. Evan Anderson is legit. He's a run stopper. Uh, Chase Lassiter is le- is legit. Um, I think Khalif Bryce, Amon Ross, uh, you might get Achilles Leroy back this upcoming year. Like the defense is set. I'm very much so looking forward to going into that UF game because UF now has re- recruiting sanctions, I believe, and Trask, Pitts, Tony. The whole offense is, is like is leaving. So I'm very excited for that game. I, I don't I'm not saying that we're going to win, but I'm saying that I think the defense shows up pretty big. Uh, regardless, I think Willie Taggart had a successful first season. Very competitive in most games. Um, the recruiting is there. He's clearly showing that he can recruit. Um, the offense is not his fault. It just isn't like you're, he, he, he was playing basically, he was playing against offenses that were playing chess while he was playing checkers. There was nothing that he could do about it. Um, but to Steve's point, and he made a very good point. I also do get a little annoyed with his lack of animation on the sidelines. I wish that there were a few clips of him walking over to the O-line or walking over to, the quarterbacks firing him up. And also he needs to stop playing his son. I, I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. Drops the yep. ball left and right. He comes off a jet sweep, doesn't make a move. It's just a waste of a play. There's other players that, that, that can be doing that. So that's my overall. I, I uh, Barrett Soleil gave, uh, who I enjoy, gave Willie Taggart a B-plus for the first season. And I, I would agree. Next year is where you're going to really tell if Willie Taggart has a command over this program or he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you guys just said. And, and, and I think the, the larger scope here, too, is the Conference USA. And we've been talking about this for a few uh, months here. You know, the Conference USA was looking a little bit more legitimate. But now you look at bowl season, I think they only won one game as a conference, maybe not even a game. And so when you're talking about, oh, you know, the Conference USA doesn't get enough respect. And then they go into bowl season, and they win one game. I think they won one game. They might not have even won one. That's not good. And so FAU has a chance here to really put themselves in the forefront and say, we're going to lead this Conference USA. We're going to try and get out of here. But it just sucks because we're all sitting here, all three of us, defending the Conference USA, saying that it's better than people think. Then they go into bowl season and they blow it. So things are going to have to change for FAU to be seen as more legitimate to the big college football committee. Um, and that's really, to me, the most disappointing part because FAU is a legit program. They do have a legit defense. But if you're on the outside looking in, you're just going to look at it and be like, oh, they can't win the big games. And that's really disappointing. So uh, what do you guys think about that part? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be very telling. Um, CJ said that too at the end is, you know, next year's going to be very, it's, 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 uh, it's a do or die, I think, for Willie Taggart next year. It's If you come out and see the same things, you're running, making the same play calls, like, there's parts of the game where there, there's wasted plays. You're either jet sweep or we're throwing it outside where there's six six defenders lined up on that one side and you're not going anywhere. 
that's what frustrates me about this football team is this offense. It's like, if you're going to give run this offense, give yourself a chance, throw the ball down. I know mean, you throw the ball down the field, use plays that work, not try to be creative here. And like, I don't know, try to be flashy, but back to the point is I think that next year, if you come out all this hype, all this expectations, you've got a four-star quarterback coming in, get him to camp, get him ready. You have a, another four-star wide receiver, I believe that they brought in. Um, but get those guys ready. Get yeah. ready to go. You have a lot of preparation. But if you come out and you lay an egg to Florida next year or something, I think a lot of FAE fans have, have been riding this wave. And it's been building year after year after year. And everything Lane Kiffin has done, you can't come out next year and be flat and be just, like, disappointing. And the offense doesn't come out and show up. Because too much has gone in the last few years to get this program to where it needs to be. And you can't come tear it down two years. So I think I'm not going to jump ship. I'm not going to say anything, but I think next year it's really going to be kind of put all the cards in the middle and let's really try to win a big game because FAU still is looking for that one big win in the regular season. Yeah, SMU last year was a great win, but they're looking for that one regular season win, go into someone's house and knock them off. And you will get the attention of, of the committee and everyone else in the nation because right now, all these Florida fans that I that I interact with, they laugh. Even Florida State fans laugh in my face. Like, oh, you never beat us. There's no respect. They need one win that just goes, fuck you. We're going to – we we can do it. We can play. And it doesn't matter what conference win. We can play with anybody in the nation. And that will get the respect of everyone that doubts them. So, I, I'm, I really want it to happen. I just think everyone needs to buy in. And I think Taggart, if he just changed a tad bit and just got in someone's face, it will – it will go a long way with this football team. They're young and it would drop the offense into gear. And you yeah. talking about the Florida thing. I mean, this, this is at the uh, athletic department's fault, maybe, but they need to start scheduling more games against Florida teams, get yearly games versus UCF, get us mm-hmm. a game against Miami, the FSU. We would beat FSU this year. FSU is not good. They can't laugh in our face. But that's, they, but that's why, but that's why that we don't those games. Yeah. Those those programs can't afford an in-state loss to FAU. Yep. Right. The reason why those programs haven't scheduled anything is because Lane Kiffin has been there and they've seen the offense. The offense has been what six hundred yards a game, scoring points up the butt, and then we've actually had defensive prospects mm-hmm. go to the league in the last few few years. Like, who wants to play FAU? Nobody wants to play FAU, but that's the thing that you that that you have to take pride in, and then you need to beat everybody else. Yeah. I think FAU's biggest problem right now. It's not Taggart. Taggart's recruited a quarterback. He's got a legit wide receiver. You've now got a wide receiver to play on that field with with your quarterback, two four-stars from Penn State. Like, there's no reason why they shouldn't light everybody up next year. You've got Larry McCammon coming back, and everybody's coming back on the O-line. Bulk them up. Seriously, there's no reason why we shouldn't be very competent on offense next year and be scoring a bunch of points in the defense comes back. No reason why we shouldn't win Conference USA. The biggest problem for FSU, for FSU, for FAU right now is Conference USA. This conference blows the the commissioner and whoever the head of the decision making there is awful like it's horrible we left conference usa because at the time it was technically an upgrade over to sun belt i wish we were in the freaking sun belt right now louisiana coastal Coastal. georgia Southern. like there's way more in the sun belt and way more teams that'll probably get ranked next year and Georgia State beat Western Kentucky the other day, too. These signature wins that we're talking about aren't good. There's not going to be a signature win against a Power 5 team in the regular season for a very long time because we schedule a, a top 10 team. 
for, right. for, for the Power Five. It would take a miracle. Right? Yeah. It could be that year because UF has an unreal amount of issues that they're going to probably have next year. Regardless, and that's not a game that I'm thinking going into like, oh my God, we're going to win. We're not going to win it. We're probably not going to win it. But we need to be in a conference. Like this year, our signature win would have been going into Marshall and getting a win against number 16 Marshall. Or, or if, imagine if we had the Minnesota game, COVID didn't happen, we went into Minnesota. That could have been a winnable game too against a Big Ten team. Not with, not with this offense. Tronti and no, it wouldn't have worked. I think, but, yeah, it depends on that. That game could have been interesting, but I just think with the offense, that could have been a big letdown per right. se. But I think with what we – I think – FAU did kind of catch a break with the COVID season and not coming out in those first couple of weeks, if you look at it, because they kind of got a dose of reality. We were like, this team's going to be right where they are. I think we had a lot of expectations. And now we kind of have the benchmark. Okay, here's where we're at. Here's where we need to be next year. Like I said, get that four-star quarterback from Penn State. Get him in there. Get him into camp as soon as you can. And work, 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 because that's going to be your guy. If he can throw the ball around and he can be your a dual-threat guy and just – We've seen a guy who can complete passes downfield to our guys because Tronti had guys wide open all year. But yeah. get a quarterback in this – get a quarterback that can really move the ball around and you, this FAU team, if they could score points. I mean, look, points, look what Robeson did. Robeson was never yeah. a uh, four-star. I mean, if you get this no, four-star in – four-star to Oklahoma. He was there at Oklahoma. Okay, like, so he was a four. That's my bad. Still sooner fans and alumni who comment under his Twitter. Okay, so that's like my saying, bad. I didn't know he was a four-star. No, I'm, pretty, but, no, yeah. I'm just saying, like, if he went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma doesn't sign three-star quarterbacks. Right, right. But yeah, it took him two. It took him two years to get the offense figured out, and and he was the guy. I, I was excited for him to come back this year because he could run, he could throw the ball really he well, nice deep ball. And I just think it was just a dis. I think that we we all I kind of forget about it too. Is like what Taggart had, was on the impression he was getting Robinson back, and huge the whole I mean, team that's a, that's a yeah and Aaron was Young a, was the wide receiver from Duke that transferred here TJ Chase yep. transferred here from Clemson they're like this is our this is my last stop to the league I'm about yep. to put up some big numbers with this guy uh, it just it didn't happen like I'm not going to blame Tagger for any of this but here's the thing we're all calling for a signature win from FAU it is not going to happen while they're in conference USA because they won't get that they get one chance a year no one in conference USA is getting ranked some belt, yes. Some some belt, a few teams will be ranked here. AAC, there's always three or four teams that are ranked pretty high. It's just it's so frustrating. Like FAU has to, like FAU's number one priority, number one that trumps everything in athletics right now is getting out of Conference USA. It is a cancer. It is a disease. These these programs lack ambition. Everybody else outside of FAU and maybe like FAU Southern Miss. Uh, Marshall are just like, I don't even want to remotely entertain or talk about them because they are just so far gone in terms of what FAU is actually doing. Um, North Texas has very nice facilities, but they're just not like, I don't, it's just, it's horrible. And if you look at the geographic, like the, the, the geography of this whole thing, why in the world are two Texas schools in FAU's conference? Yeah, that was uh, that's the, that's when Jensen wrote the article, Jensen Jennings for the UP at FAU, and he was like, "If you just if you change the conferences, FAU's travel would be so much better." I mean, you're going thousands of miles over to Texas. If you got in the Sun Belt, you'd be playing teams in Georgia, and you're just going up one state. That means FAU fans can travel and actually go to these games. So it, it's really true. I mean, uh, we got to get Jensen on again. He's got to talk about that, but. 
yeah, if you guys want to check out that article, you could just look it up. It's on uh, the University Press. I know Jensen listens to this. No, we'll pimp him out here. He's been on the show before. But, uh, yeah, I mean, FAU, disappointing for sure. There's some optimism. We hope that next year is a little bit better than this one. Uh, so now, Steve, I think it's time for your college football rant. We're going into the semifinal week. Uh, have at it. Let's go. Yeah, uh, we're finally here. I'm surprised this college football season even got to this point. I think everyone's relieved. I think everyone in the committee is ecstatic that they can finally say they got to the playoff. Um, it'll be here on Friday. But, um, hey, it all panned out like we, like we said. Nothing changed from week one to now with the playoff rankings. It ended up yep. being the top four, like we said, every single freaking week. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame. And now a lot of controversy over Notre Dame being in the four hole, but I, I was thinking about it every day, I think, when leading up to the rankings and then after. And I said, you know, Notre Dame, love them or hate them, they were undefeated. They Yes, they beat a Clemson team that was kind of diminished with no Lawrence, no Skalski on defense. A lot, of, a lot of starters on defense are out, but they did only lose one game. And – they lost to a Clemson team by it was 34-10. Score was a little bit more deceiving, but the the argument for AM to be in the four hole, that team got beat by Alabama by four touchdowns. Now I I'll take my chances with the Notre Dame team and go up against a, going up against Bama than watching a rematch of Texas AM Alabama. And now it's like I think at the end of the day, you look at it and go, give Notre Dame their shot. They have one loss in a conference championship and I have no problem with the top four, but you know, looking forward, I think Notre Dame gets beat by 20, 24 points on Friday. I just, there's no world where I see this game being anywhere close. Uh, I, I just think Bama's defense is too good for them. Uh, they'll, they'll shut Ian book down. And then I just don't see how Notre Dame's going to be able to stop Alabama from, from just rolling. They Najee Harris in the backfield. I mean, he had six touchdowns against Florida and they could not stop him. And Smith on the outside, Mac Jones throwing him deep. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, I just don't see how this game's going to be anywhere close. And then Ohio state Clemson, I think we're all, we all know how this is going to end. I think Ohio state's looked very, very poor this year. Justin Fields hasn't been the guy and he's probably going to the jets. So they, no, no, no. The 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 uh the picks in Jacksonville now for Lawrence. The Jets. Yeah, uh, Lawrence. Lawrence is going to go to. Oh, you're talking about Fields. It's my bad. Yeah, Fields is going to go to to the Jets, and, and and Fields just looked awful all year. So I think in that game too, um, I don't think Ohio State's going to be able to score enough points against Clemson. So I think we're going to see an Alabama Clemson part six again. Yeah, <laughs> great, good, nice job, committee. It's the same same teams every year, but. Outside of the playoff, I think we got some good bowl games though this year. I think uh, we got we got UNC and Texas A and M, uh, Cincinnati and Georgia. I'll be watching that one very close because I really want to see a Group of Five team just kind of handle uh, a a Power Five like a Georgia team because it's going to show the committee that hey, this team can play in the playoff. They can play against these caliber teams. So really looking forward to Cincinnati, uh, Georgia, and then Oklahoma and Florida. That'd be a good matchup as well. So. A lot of good college football games in the slate. Uh, not the same bowl season this year, so um, it is what it is. But um, can't wait for Friday, and we'll see how see uh, who comes out on top. Maybe Notre Dame shocks the world. Who knows? But would put my house on Alabama. 
Yeah, I, I don't see Notre Dame pulling it anywhere close. They got humiliated by Clemson when Clemson actually had their starters. Uh, what's happened to Notre Dame? Every time they get in the playoffs, they get beat. Uh, they're frauds. They're really just not a good team. Uh, well, compared to the other three, I should say. Now, I, I would have actually low-key wanted to see an Ohio State-Notre Dame matchup. I think that could have been much closer, but then you would have had a semi-matchup of Bama-Clemson instead of that being in the finals. So I see, you know, it, it probably works out better this way. Uh, but I was out golfing yesterday. By the way, worst golf day of my life uh, yesterday I was out. But uh, we were talking, me and my friend Tyler, he's a Michigan State fan, uh, so he sticks up for the Big Ten. He, he was like, I want to see Ohio State go in there and beat Clemson because Dabo Sweeney, the way that he's been talking about Ohio State, he's like, oh, you know, Ohio State should have been ranked 11 this year. Uh, that, you know, Dabo's getting a little too cocky for his own good. And, and I would love personally, even me, I'd love to see him lose and kind of get smacked down into the ground. He's way too cocky. He's a little bit too vocal. Uh, you know, Nick Saban doesn't go out there and say stuff like Dabo does. So I would love to see Ohio State go in there and beat a Clemson, but I don't think it's going to happen. We're probably going to see Clemson and Bama, but I agree with you. I'm actually really excited for that Georgia-Cincinnati game because you've had Cincinnati all year saying, we deserve to be here, we deserve to be here. And if you can't go in and beat Georgia, I'm not saying that Georgia, you know, that you should be beating Georgia, but you can't be talking about, oh, we can go in and beat the Bamas beat the Clemsons, beat the Ohio States, and then lose to Georgia, who's clearly worse than those teams. So I think this is a big weekend for the for the group of five, for Cincinnati, for the AAC. Uh, so I really – I'm rooting for Cincinnati this week. And uh, what were you going to say? Yeah, and uh, to add to that Cincinnati game, I was watching the college football playoff, the release, and um, I think it was Joey Galloway was talking about Cincinnati being able to compete on the field with uh, Georgia. And then everyone kind of laughed in his face. <clears throat> David Pollock, even Kirk Herbstreit, all those guys, Jesse Palmer, they were like, compete with Georgia? Like, are, what are we talking here? Like, you think they're going to be, they can step on the field with, with Bam and all these teams? And then he was like, yeah, I think they could really step on the field and, and compete and make it a game. And they all kind of laughed in their face. And I'm like, this is what's wrong with college football. This is what's wrong with it. These teams that show they can win football games, Cincinnati, is what undefeated they're 10 and 0 yeah and no one wants to give them the time of day that they can go out there and, and play with the georgia or a, a clemson or an ohio state like we just don't know that and it's the same bias every year that i'm tired of and that's why i think people are pushing for a little bit of a change and expand the playoff because you want to get these teams a chance and i i hope cincinnati puts a number up on georgia if they can beat them by maybe a couple touchdowns or something because then i'll prove to everyone that hey shut your mouth it doesn't matter put us in the field with these teams and you'll see what happens. And I just want to, I, I want to see that day come, but it's, it's one step closer in, in this bowl game here coming up. What do you think about this weekend, CJ? Um, <laughs> I basically agree with everything Steve said. I was talking to a couple of my dad's buddies today who went to various colleges across the nation uh, not all big schools, some of them big schools, and everybody seems to have the same uh, mindset on this. Why in the world is Ohio State in the top four? Everybody knows Notre Dame is about to get destroyed. So what is keeping the selection committee from Cincinnati being in, Texas A&M being in? It's almost like it's, – it's almost as if the, the playoff committee is like – it's like it's like every year it's like – 
Well, Bama and Clemson deserve to be in it every year because they've just been unreal and they're clearly the two best teams in the country. Fair enough. But it seems as if Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, these teams like almost have a gun to the selection committee's head every year. And it's so ridiculous. It's unbelievable to me mm-hmm. because what is it that's that's keeping you from saying, hey, you know what, this year, Cincinnati's going in. This year, AM's going in. They've never been there. I'm sick of seeing Ohio State lose round one. I'm sick of seeing Notre Dame get slapped every time they're in a big game. I'm sick and tired of seeing Oklahoma get boat raced in the first half every year. What is it that's keeping them from doing it? So it's like it. So to me, what it is is the selection committee is basically they have their own little eye test and they are like, hey, we think these are the four best teams in college football. Rather than look at the schedule, look at the stats, look at a team that's played 12 games. Cincinnati played 11 or 12 games this year. Didn't lose one. But we're going to sit here and we're going to go, oh, well, you know, Ohio State, it played five games, but they're better, though. We think that they're better. I mean, it's Ohio State. They have to be better. It's actually atrocious. It is a horrible, horrible, horrible system that's going on. And I truly believe I right now. If I was the decision maker, I would go back to the BCS. Mm-hmm. Playoff is a joke because what it has done is, in what I was saying today to my dad's friends, it has totally diluted and made all the other bowl games fade away. The Rose Bowl, who can who can even tell me like the last three Rose Bowl winners? The no, Rose maybe Bowl too. back in the day used to be like national championship game part two. Yeah, right? it was like you watch the Rose Bowl and it was like they always it's the granddaddy of them all, the Rose Bowl. And basically, if you got into the Rose Bowl, that was like getting in the national championship game because it was such a big bowl game. If you got into it was the like third, teams that just missed the BCS. It was like the it was like the three and four teams in the country. But it was like, hey, we were we were that close. It was the two one loss teams of the country that didn't make it in. And yeah, the BCS was a huge game. The, the BCS made it too, where it was like if you lost one football game, you were done. You were done. If you were undefeated, you were not making the championship game. Yeah. And it was right now we'd be looking at Alabama and Clemson be one and two and Cincinnati be number three because those are the only undefeated teams in the country. Bottom bottom of the line. That's that's all it would be. And I agree. There's no now it's just, oh, well, the number 10 team in the country gets consideration of the playoff. Like, really? Just cut the bullshit. And I'm rooting for two blowouts this year or on Friday. Because I want to see the committee fall on their face. Yeah, I want to see Bama, get, yeah. Bama beat them by 40. Yeah, I want I want a literal just dismantling of both of these teams. Yeah, I know and no one wants I to want, see. Well, this would be the trifecta right here. Bama crushes Notre Dame. Clemson crushes Ohio State. Cincinnati wins. Yep. And that'll be then, – then people are going to sit there and go, well, what are we all doing? And everyone's going to be like – we told you so. And then ESPN's going to backtrack and be like, well, you know, like, uh, you know, Bama played a great game and they'll make excuses for it. But I hope Bama beats him by like 35 plus. I hope Clemson beats him because that way it's like, stop doing it. Stop putting these teams in because they are Notre Dame and it's all money. Don't don't fool yourself. They they don't want they didn't want a Bama Cincinnati. They'd be like, well, who would watch that? I would. But they want a Notre Dame in Alabama. It brings in ratings, brings in money. That's all college football cares about. It's money, money, money. Don't care about any of it else but what goes in their pockets. They don't care about the athletes. They don't care about their their staffing, their people. They just care about 
the one thing is putting the money in their pockets every single week. And that's that's my reasoning why they didn't put Cincinnati in. The last that's thing really I'll it. say is the way these bowl games should be is you don't know who's going to win. So what in the why? Why are you making Alabama play this meaningless game against Notre Dame? Yep. Yep. They're going to kill them. We know what's going to happen. So why wouldn't you bypass that game and just have the damn BCS format where you know who the national championship game should be? Bama and Clemson. There you go. And then guess who else would play? Notre Dame would play Ohio State in like a Rose Bowl or a Sugar Bowl. Yeah, like the Rose Bowl would be Notre Dame versus Ohio State. And I don't know who would would win that game. That would be an entertaining game because you don't know who's going to win. So why yeah. is Ohio State going to go and play Clemson? Why is Notre Dame going to go and play Bama when we know what the outcome is going to be? This makes no sense. What are we doing here? What are we doing? There is no like there's no ounce of this that makes any sense. Honestly, Nick Saban and Davo Sweeney look at this game like I mean, I can find somebody from my conference that's probably going to be harder to play than these guys. <laughs> I can and, and to be honest, it's almost like I don't even want to trot starters out in the second half because I don't want anybody to get injured. Yeah, that's, that, that's really where it is. That's how this is like this. This for them is like a scrimmage. This for them is like like the Alabama red and white game spring game is probably harder than this. That's how that is where we are in college football right now. It's a joke. It is an absolute, absolute joke. All right, guys, so that was our college football talk. Let's go into the NFL now, and this is going to be a crazy week 17. There was a lot of stuff in week 16 nobody thought would happen. The Browns lost to the Jets. Now they're in danger of absolutely missing the playoffs, which is really shocking to me. I can't believe that that actually happened. But the Browns kind of got screwed there. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, Higgins, all out because of COVID. Is that an excuse? No. I still think the Browns should have beat the Jets. Um, Colin Coward actually made a good point. He said Baker Mayfield on Sunday was actually faced with Sam Darnold's reality for the first time. He didn't have weapons as much and he lost. And so Sam Darnold over there in New York, he's had to deal with nothing over there and he's been slammed, but Baker's had all the tools all these years. So it's kind of an apt comparison. I know Coward doesn't like Baker at all, but you know, it's just, it's just an interesting point that he brought up. But beyond that, Uh, You have Arizona, even though they lost to San Francisco. Now Jared Goff broke his thumb. He's not going to play this Sunday, which means Arizona is probably going to win. Then you have the Bears who are right there. They're actually in the seventh seed right now, but they're playing Green Bay. I don't think they have a chance against Green Bay unless Green Bay just says, you know, we're sitting Aaron Jones today. We're sitting Adams because we have the NFC North on lock. Uh, But I think the uh, number one seed is still up for grabs in the NFC which is why the Packers will probably still play their guys. But a bunch of stuff happened this weekend. So let's just go into it. We're going to go into week 17. Big game this weekend for you especially, CJ. Your Dolphins are playing the Bills this Sunday. The Dolphins, now a few weeks ago we were saying the Dolphins, the only way they can get in is if they win out. That's not the only path now, even if the Dolphins lose this weekend, which I think even the Bills are still going to play because they want that two seed. They're going to play their starters. Even if the Dolphins lose, if the Browns lose, the Dolphins are in, and the Browns play the Steelers. So this this is a big weekend. How do you think this game's going to go? The line is minus four and a half Buffalo right now. They beat the shit out of New England last night. How do you think that game's going to go this weekend, CJ? Um, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, 
you, you can't underestimate, I guess, like what the Dolphins are playing for and what the Bills are playing for. The Dolphins is a win and you're in. The Bills, it's like, okay, well, if we win, Steelers lose, then we get to two seed. But we don't like, – like the thing is, is you have to – as Sean McDermott, it's like, you know, we're already in and we're going to have we're going to have at least the three seed so do we want to play like our starters the whole game like if they like let's say this like like let's say if the bills play their starters the first half they go into halftime and then they find out that the steelers are up like big on the browns you know and the the steelers ultimately would get i believe the tiebreaker right yeah or no actually it's the bills in the two seed right now i think well, let's look. So we got the standings pulled up here, playoffs. Um, yeah, the Buffalo actually has the tiebreaker right now. So, yeah, I okay. guess they would probably play their starters the whole game. Regardless, though, I'm not saying the Bills won't be playing hard, but the Dolphins will definitely play harder because they need to get in the game, get into the playoffs. So I I, I actually believe that the Dolphins will um, split. Uh, I think the Dolphins will beat um, the, the Bills this weekend. I know it's probably a homer pick, but they have a lot to play for. They're going to be healthy this week and get a couple guys back. Um, but I will say, like, for the Dolphins, they get in even with with a loss as long as one of the Ravens, Colts, or the Browns lose their in. So their probability is very, very high. Now, if the Dolphins win, then the Ravens are, are SOL. They're, they're basically done. They're out of it. The Browns well, no, no, no. The well, the, win are out too if uh, other teams win. There's a lot of scenarios. I think that the last team that we should probably be talking about is the Dolphins because they have got way more avenues. It's basically winning their end. Let's say now let's say the Dolphins win. We need to look at the other teams, the other teams like the Browns, the Ravens, and the Colts. Well, I don't know what their scenarios are are tech are, are necessarily to get in. I mean, obviously they need to win, but the Dolphins hold the tiebreaker over all those teams. Well, to me, I, I look at the Ravens. They get the Bengals this weekend. They're going to win. So I, I don't think we should even pay attention to Baltimore. The Bengals have been playing good football. They just beat Yeah, but, it, I mean, let's be real. Baltimore's going to win. They know they have to win to get in. I don't think they lose. You look at Indy, they got Jacksonville, so they're not going to lose. So I think the, the really the only path is if Cleveland loses, um, I do think they will. And, and they're playing the Steelers. The Steelers looked like at least they got back on the right track. I think the Colts should have won that game, but at least the Steelers offense picked up a little bit and wasn't inept like it's been for the last three weeks. But you could have Cleveland coming in here saying we have our wide receivers back. We might have a better defense than the Steelers. It's probably pretty even there. Uh, Offensive lines, relatively similar. But I like Cleveland's running game better than Pittsburgh. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And the game is in Cleveland and there's fans. So let's let, you know, Cleveland's not necessarily going to lose. Uh, but I think they will. That's why I think the Dolphins are going to make it, whether they win or lose. But here, I, I really don't think Miami's going to win. So if Buffalo plays their guys, I think Buffalo does win. And worst case scenario, the Dolphins really could miss here if the Browns come out here and they say, we got our full squad, we need to win, that Jets loss was a fluke, we deserve to be in the playoffs because they do deserve to be in the playoffs. This could be really wild because – yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, that, that's basically what I'm saying because I, I think the Browns will beat uh, – they will lose to the Steelers, but the Dolphins will probably lose to Buffalo as well but still make it. But if Cleveland wins, the Dolphins are out in my opinion. It's kind of crazy. Like <clears throat> all this this scenario right here, like just watch the AFC. 
it kind of hurts my head to like look at because and let's say the Titans, the Dolphins, Ravens, Cleveland, and Indianapolis, all those teams that are ten and five, they could all win. The, yeah, they they are. I mean, Tennessee gets Houston. Tight the Titans play Houston, like you just said. Yeah, I mean, they should win that football game. The Colts should win eleven and five. There, let's say the, the Browns and the Dolphins do win. You then you're gonna have you're gonna have all these teams at eleven and five, and you're gonna have potentially one 11 and five team missed the postseason, yeah. which is, and, which is crazy to me, but the odds of all those teams winning, I, I think it's, it's, it's pretty hard to do. Um, but if Cleveland loses and Indianapolis gets in, gets their win, which they should, then Cleveland's out. I, I just think it's, this is a clear, there's a surprise to anybody that Cleveland was 10 and what 10 and four. And now they're fighting the last week of the season to get in. I mean, that's just so Cleveland right there. They had yeah. to win one game, and they were they locked it up. But I think they'll come out and play. Uh, I think the Steelers got bailed out by a few generous calls Sunday. Uh, they Two touchdowns that were just gifted them, I think, by pass interference calls downfield, not even close. But um, nonetheless, they still found something in the second half. They were down 24-7 early, found a way to fight all the way back, got the win, and they clinched. So good for them. I think they might have found something there, like you said. But uh, – I think the Dolphins. Will, I think they'll be fine too. Going back to them real quick. Uh, that, that defense. I just. I. I won't bet against their defense. They. They find a way to get stops. They get turnovers. Uh, the Bills. They. They've looked good, but I think last week of the season, they might not have a whole lot to play for if, you know, bearing what Pittsburgh does. But I think the Dolphins have the right. They have their head on their shoulders with what they're doing, and people are freaking out over like Tua getting taken out of the game. It's like. They're, they do whatever it takes to win the football game. And that's what they're doing right now. That's what Coach Flores is doing with that team. I think they'll be fine. I think they win the football game, to be quite honest with you. They, they played them really tight week one um, going up to Buffalo this week. But I think it'll be a battle. It's, it's winning you're in. And I think you can't get any more any closer to a playoff game than what you're going to get um, this Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I might be the odd man out here. I just don't see Miami winning if Buffalo plays all their guys. I just don't. I mean, it, it's just when you don't have your quarterback situation figured out in Miami – I mean, Tua in that first half, 45 pass yards, that's not good. Fitzpatrick, is he really going to go in there if Buffalo plays all their guys and beat them? I, I just don't see it. I mean, Buffalo's been dominating teams. They've got Josh Allen playing out of his mind. They've got Diggs at wide receivers having a career year. They've got two running backs, great O-line, good, def- good enough defense, not as good as Miami's. Uh, but Buffalo's also the home team, so Miami doesn't have the benefit of the home crowd. Uh, I mean, I, I, I just see Buffalo winning this weekend. Uh, but again, I, I keep saying Cleveland's going to lose, but the line is actually minus seven and a half favoring Cleveland right now. So if Cleveland wins, I, I just don't see Miami beating Buffalo. I could be wrong. If Buffalo sits their guys, you know, maybe they sit Diggs. Maybe they sit Allen second half if they're up and then maybe it comes to bite them in the ass. But I just don't think Miami offensively can keep up with Buffalo. That's just my problem here. Yeah. Uh, I, what do you mean? They kept up with Buffalo like week three. They lost 31 to 28. Well, that was that was with Fitzpatrick. So if they start Tua, who knows what happens, you know, because Tua. I mean, but the thing is, is pe- people people like are, are like freak out over Tua. But here's the thing. Like there's there's no such thing as like getting all like like when Tua has a good game, nobody cares. When Tua has a bad game, it's like the sky's falling. Tua, Tua threw for three touchdowns, added, a, I think, a fourth rushing touchdown against the Chiefs. 
Yeah. And, and they lost 31 to 28. It was a great yeah. game. Tua played his Tua played his ass off against the Chiefs. Had an awesome game. Nobody cared. He had a great game. Then then he comes back and and it's like Oh, well, you know, he beat the Patriots. He didn't throw it for a passing touchdown, but he played the Patriots really well. He had two rushing touchdowns. The game was never in doubt. Okay. Then he goes to the Raiders. Okay. We, we were missing Devontae Parker. We were missing um, Preston Williams. We're missing so much. True. Man. It's, yeah. it's so hard. Gesicki gets doubled. And then what else does he get to throw to? Mac Hollins? Isaiah Ford? No one. What? Those are two guys that probably won't be on the team next year. So it's like, yeah. what do you like, what do you really expect from the kid? Okay. And yeah, Fitz came in and led a crazy game winning drive. Like, you know, whatever. Here's the thing. The Dolphins are very competitive. They don't get blown out. They're always in games. They didn't, they haven't got blown out really ever this year. I mean, honestly, they almost beat the Seahawks. They almost beat the Bills at the beginning of the year. Yeah. Like they're a very good football team. And like, in all honesty, you can't underestimate the Dolphins are literally playing to get into the playoffs. The Bills have clinched for a couple weeks now. Yeah. They benched Josh Allen last night after blowing out the Patriots. Who's to say that going into this going into this game, the mentality of the Bills isn't like, hey, you know, let's come out, let's let's see how the game goes. If 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 it's close, if we if we know we can win this game, we'll keep the starters in. If if the Dolphins are playing extremely hard, a couple of our guys are getting roughed up. I don't know if I want to risk it going into the playoffs. Right? At the, at the same the time, though, though, if Buffalo falls, they go to the three seed, and then you have to play Baltimore. You know that that might not be too hot. What do you, mean you know you have to play Baltimore. It, well, if because Buffalo's in the two seed, if they Baltimore fall, to the, might not get in. No, Baltimore's beating Cincinnati, dude. They're, they're not going to lose to the Bengals. Yeah, but 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 Baltimore needs people to lose. Well, no, the, the Baltimore Baltimore's in the six seed right now. Cleveland's in the seven. Cleveland's with, in the seven. With, right. With There's seven teams losing. who make it. Yeah, there's seven. So if Baltimore wins, it's eleven and five. They're in. Who's out? Who's out right now? Indy, and Indy plays Jacksonville. Okay, so So if Cleveland loses and Indy wins, they're in. Okay, but here, here's here's the other thing that people like. Basically, for the Dolphins to not get in, they need to lose, and everybody else needs to win. That's three teams that need to win. That's a lot to happen for the Dolphins to not get in. They need to lose. Basically, all four things need to happen. They need to lose. Everybody else needs to win. Yeah, I mean, what That's I'm saying, though, is like... Happen. They have the highest probability to get in. They have the most ways to get in. Here, like, here's the other thing. The Jaguars locked in the number one pick. They have locked it in. Like, it's like they, they are getting it no matter what. What team wants to finish 1-15? They're going to play their asses off in the last game of the season because I know, look, I get it. Like the Colts are an entire, a way better football team, but you don't underestimate those things. Look, the Jets, they were sick and tired of losing and they beat the Rams. They were sick and tired of losing. They beat the Browns the next week. Who's to say the Jaguars aren't like, screw this. We already have the number one pick. Let's go hard. All these guys are fighting for their lives to be on the team next year because they're going to do a major overhaul anyway. And it's the same thing in Cincinnati. Cincinnati's coming off two wins. They beat two straight teams. They beat the Steelers and they beat, the, the Texans, that's two straight teams with quarterbacks. Who's to say the Bengals aren't going to go out and play really hard? And then the Browns have to play the Steelers, who the Steelers are hoping, hey, the Dolphins actually pro- – they, they have a very good chance of beating the, the Bills, and we can come back into that second seed. They're going to play the, their starters the whole game against the Browns. Right. Plus, that, that, that's Browns that's what win. I think the most likely path is. Pittsburgh wins, you're in. That That's what I think because it's great to say, you know, these teams can come out and play – 
but it's week 17. It's business time. The Colts are win and go in too. So th- this isn't just, you know, the Colts absolutely have to win to get in. They're not going to slump against Jacksonville. I just don't see that happening. I like the Cincinnati thing. They could come in. They're on a little bit of a roll. If Burrow was here, honestly, I'd be with you. But Burrow's not there. Quarterback situation is murky. They just beat Houston. Like we're, we're, Cincinnati didn't go in and beat a good team. They beat Houston. Houston's not a good football team. So uh, Baltimore's going to win. Indy's going to win. Tennessee plays Houston. They're probably going to win. And so I, I, I just think it's going to come down to that Pittsburgh-Cleveland game, the Miami-Buffalo game. And, you know, to your point earlier about the Miami playing it close earlier in the year, the hardest thing to do in football is to beat a team twice. That could heavily play into Miami's favor as well. So I'm not trying to say that Miami's definitely out. I'm just saying Buffalo's been playing better all year. And if they play their guys, and if they're serious about keeping that number two seed, then, you know, because there's a big difference. I don't know how it would sort out, but if Buffalo's the three seed, Indy hops Cleveland, I'm just looking, yeah. So, yeah, Buffalo would play Baltimore. Would they rather play them or would they rather be the two seed and play Indianapolis? So that's a big question. If I'm them, actually, maybe Buffalo strategically loses because I'd rather play Buffalo than play Indianapolis. So that could come into play, too, actually. Little mind game there from Sean McDermott. He's like, wait a second. I I think I could beat Baltimore over Indianapolis because Indianapolis is better than Baltimore. They just had a tougher schedule. So that could come into play, too. Um, but yeah, that's just my bottom line thoughts on the AFC. Um, just a lot of controversy. A lot could happen. I mean, Hey, Brown's just lost to the jets. We could see something crazy happen. It's week 17. We never know, but I'm just looking at logically, you look at the opponents, you look at what logically is probably going to happen. It's going to come down to those two games, but you look at the NFC, there's a little less drama here because you kind of have the playoff team sorted out. Um, so let's look at this. Chicago gets green Bay. Technically, they're in the playoff spot right now in the seven. Arizona's out at the eight after losing to San Francisco. But like I said, to lead off this segment, Arizona gets L.A. Goff is out. They're playing a backup. McVay said this morning they hope to get Bortles in. If you're counting on Bortles to win you a game in week 17, uh, think twice. So you look at the Rams. If they fall, they go to nine and seven. If Arizona wins, they're nine and seven. Uh, so I don't know who would get the tiebreaker. I think the Rams are in no matter what. The win, nah, the uh, Cardinals with the it's a winner go home in that game. It's a basically a really game. if Arizona wins, uh, they're in and the Rams are out because they have, they'll be tied. Right? Well, but yeah, what if the Bears lose? Because the Bears would be eight and eight, and the Rams would be nine and seven. Yeah, so the Rams need some help. If the the if the Bears lost. And the Rams lost. The Rams would get the edge because they had finished nine and seven. Bears would be eight and eight. But if everything stays constant, if the Bears win and the Rams lose, they're out. So yeah, that's the winner of that Cardinals game. You're guaranteed the spot. So I mean, do we really think Chicago is going to beat Green Bay though? I think Chicago's played better football as of late. I think they found their stride in offense, but do I see them beating a Packers team that kind of just dismantled Tennessee on Sunday night in the snow? No, I don't see that happening. I think the first time, first time in Lambeau, the Packers took care of business pretty handily in the first half. They were throwing the ball over the place. Chicago could not stop them. They were just imposing their will with uh, Aaron Jones. So I think you're going to see it again, um, unless the Bears come out and, Get a few turnovers, keep it close, but uh, I just don't see the Packers 
um, dropping that game because there's so much on the line there, too. They win, and they're in the first spot, uh, the first seed, and they get the bye, which is huge in the NFL. So, no, I don't see the Bears beating them in that game. Yeah, I agree with you. So, I guess you're looking at the top four here. Green Bay is probably going to lock the one. New Orleans gets Carolina. They'll probably win as well, lock up the two. Seattle gets San Francisco. They'll probably win, although I think San Francisco and Carolina are very similar in the sense they're division rivals. They play each other a lot. They know each other. They're going to be close games still. These aren't going to be blowouts. They're going to be close games. The teams know each other well. Uh, But Tampa, they're going to lock up the five seed. I think they will beat Atlanta again, especially because it's in Tampa. They'll have the Tampa fans there. That's a big factor. I'll be there, so they'll lose. Oh, you're going this weekend? Yeah, I'll be there. They'll lose. I haven't been to a Bucks game that they've won in like 12 years, so we'll probably lose. <laughs> Steve's the bad luck charm. Uh, but yeah, I know. I'll, I'll send you snaps. I'll be buckled at the game. Yeah, man, that's going to be fun. And uh, But, yeah, I think Tampa locks that up. Rams will make it. Arizona will make it. And I think that'll be the seven. So I, I don't think this is very interesting to most people, but technically the thing that's at most stake, in my opinion, is the NFC East. Uh, which we all call the NFC least. The Washington football team at six and nine, they get the Eagles this weekend. Right now, the line is minus one and a half Washington. I don't know how that's possible because the, the, the Washington football team, they just cut Haskins. We don't know if Smith can even play. Who are they even going to throw in there at quarterback? I like the way that Hertz has been playing. I personally think Philadelphia is going to win this week 17 matchup. They're the home team. And then you look at Dallas they get my Giants. The Giants are overrated. They had their fun. The Giants have returned back to normal into being a mediocre, below-average football team. And I think Dalton, he's not a great quarterback, but he's serviceable. I think he's finding his way in Dallas. And somehow, some way, I, I actually see the Dallas Cowboys coming in and winning the NFC East really late, Week 17, clinching it right at the end. Do you think that is possible, or does Washington lock it up against Philly? No, I said that on. That's funny you say that because I said that on Christmas, and my and my family thought I was insane. I was like, I think the Cowboys are going to win the division, and they looked at me like I had six heads. I'm like, it's just, it's not impossible. Um, they've done everything they can to get back into the into the race, and if they win their one o'clock game on on Sunday, then Washington plays at eight o'clock. Is it one o'clock game, Jacob? That Washington game. Uh, let's see. Dallas is one o'clock and then Washington is eight the prime time. Sunday night football. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think all eyes are going to be on the Dallas game because if Dallas wins, then it's all, all the pressure goes on uh, the football team because if the football team wins, they're in. It's pretty clear cut and dry, but it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top. I think either one would be equally as competitive in the playoffs. I think they're both the, kind of the same team. Uh, you know, Washington's kind of shorthanded on the, on the quarterback side. Taylor Heineke is their quarterback from Old Dominion. He came in in the second half and went 12 for 19 with one touchdown. So played a pretty good quarter of football, quarter and a half. So if Washington can figure out their quarterback situation, I think they do win the the game Sunday night, and I think they'll lock up that division. But that's probably the most intriguing thing of this whole NFC playoff picture going into this weekend. And, uh, yeah, CJ just sent us a picture on the chat of the playoff probabilities. So we've got – they have Tennessee at 95% agreed. They have Miami at 88% because, as CJ said, there's many avenues. Uh, Baltimore at 87, Cleveland at 68, Indy at 61. 
I don't understand the 61% for the Colts. They're going to beat Jacksonville. I, I just don't see how that percentage is that low. Uh, I think, honestly, Cleveland's percentage should be lower than Indy's. Uh, I don't know how they made that calculation there because Cleveland has a way tougher opponent. You know Indy's going to win. I, I don't see how that number was calculated. And now you look at the NFC. What are these numbers here? Yeah, they got the Bears at 71%. How? I mean, they're going into Kareem Bay. You know they're basically going to lose. Arizona now, they're going to play the Rams without golf. I think they're going to win that game. So I don't know how they calculate these percentages because looking at the schedule, just to me, looking at it, I mean, I, I think the teams are just going to be the, that way. So NFC, I have Green Bay, New Orleans, Seattle, Dallas, Tampa Bay, uh, Arizona, Los Angeles, Chicago missing, AFC, I've got KC, uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, Tennessee, Miami, Baltimore, and Indy. And I think Cleveland will lose against Pittsburgh. Miami will make it, even with a loss. And that's how I think it'll play out. So I guess just give your final seedings, uh, you guys. Hear me out. Hear me out real quick. Oh, oh. The, the Giants will win the division. Oh, please. If, if they win, if they win on Sunday, they need – the football team to wait. So the Giants play the Cowboys this yeah. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So if yeah. you beat the Cowboys head to head, and the football team loses, you're in, dude. You're in. You're in. No, because you have a better division record. You'd, be, you'd finish the division. No, I, I know. I, yeah, I That's see what crazy. you're saying. I just don't see it. I, I have no faith. <laughs> That's crazy. No, that would be the biggest mind fuck out of everything. Out of the they, the Giants lay in the weeds all year, and then they make it. I just like I was looking at that. I'm like. If they win and the and the football team loses, they they win they win the division. I'm like that's insanity, but long shot. But there there's still a chance. It's but, possible. Uh, it's possible. My my seedings, I along the lines of uh, yours, it's I'm pretty much the same. I got in the NFC, Green Bay. I think they finish up one. Uh, New Orleans. They play the Panthers this week. They're decimated. Uh, them and two. Seattle three. Um, I'm going to go with my Giants, uh, my Giants pick at the four seed. Uh, I'm going to prove the world wrong here. I said it here. Giants four, Bucks five, and the geez, Cardinals at six, and the Rams at seven. I think the Bears end up losing, and then the Rams still squeak in with that loss. And then the AFC, Chiefs at the one, uh, Pittsburgh in two, Buffalo at three. Tennessee at four, Miami at five, Baltimore at six, and I'm going to go with the Colts at seven. I think the Browns get shafted and they miss the playoffs. All right, what about you, Siege? What are your final uh, playoff seedings? So I'm going to go ahead and say, well, first of all, Cleveland is is in a playoff spot right now. It's the Colts that are on the on the outside looking in. Um, I think the Browns are going to take care of business against the Steelers. I wow. think the Dolphins are going to take care of business against the Bills. These are must-win games. These are these are good. Like the Dolphins are a very good football team. They're good. The Bills are very good. But when when you're the Bills, you've clinched the division. You have a home playoff game. One second. Oh, that sneeze. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. And I just think the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins and the Browns take take care of business. And I think that the the Ravens and the Colts 
those two games, for some reason for me, they're going to be a bloodbath. I, I, I think so. I think those two games are going to be like heavily, heavily contested. I, that's just the vibes that I get. The Jaguars are like, yo, we are not losing to finishing the season off a loss. Let's get this going. The Colts are sitting there like, oh, we have to win. We have to win. People underestimate those things. Their mentalities. These are NFL football teams. Okay. So I like the Jags and I like the Bengals to keep it very, very close against the Ravens and the Colts respectively. I think the Titans take care of business big time after the Titans looked horrible against the Packers. I don't like the Vrabels team to look bad two weeks in a row. I think they just dismantle the Texans. Um, so here's what I got. I've got the Dolphins making it in. I've got the Browns making it in. I've got the Ravens making it in. And I've got the Titans making it in. I think the Colts are the odd man out here. They're the eight seed currently. And it's 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 pretty sad. I mean, you to have an 11 and 5 team lose or, or not make it in. And here's the thing. Not all these teams are going to win. The Dolphins, Titans, Ravens, Browns, Colts. It's five teams. Not all of them are going to win. Actually, two two of them will probably lose. So this is going to be a crazy Sunday. But I think that what you can bet on is that the Dolphins are going to take care of business, like Steve said. And I think the Browns will take care of business against the Steelers. Um, because those two teams that they're playing don't have as much to play for. Right? They're, they're, they have to have a mentality going to the game. Like, we're already in. We've clinched our division. Um, if we win, great. If we lose, it is what it is. Um and that's that's just the fact. You have to if you're going to make a run at the Super Bowl, you have to play the Chiefs anyway. Okay, whether it's in round two or whether it's in the conference championship game. Okay. So would you like to go into the playoffs healthy or potentially risk injury? And that's where I think the Browns and the Dolphins have an advantage this weekend, while the Ravens and the Colts specifically are playing the unknown. And so that's what I have. Now in the NFC. I have, I have uh, the football team making it in uh, this weekend. I have the Bears making it in this weekend, and I will go ahead and say that the Cardinals will take care of business and get in, like Steve said. Wow! So if the Bears get in, that means they have to be Green Bay. Yeah, I think they will. I mean, didn't Green Bay already lock wow. up something? I think they have the one seed on lock. Yeah, yeah. Green Bay. Green Bay has the one seed. They do not yet. If well, yeah, no, oh, yeah, they don't because the New Orleans is one game off, but still, and they either the have the one too. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, that Chicago Green Bay game is going to be really fun. Um, so yeah, and so that's uh, basically all we have for the NFL talk. It's going to be a crazy weekend. Um, the NBA, there's not much going on right now. Regular season kind of just going uh, smooth. Uh, Bucks Heat play tonight on TNT. That'll be a good game. KD Kyrie, though, I got to say. Watching that opening night game, I know it was Golden State, but they're both back. KD, the first shot he took, I'm like, this dude's the best player in the NBA. I don't want to hear it. Uh, I picked him number one in fantasy. This dude's going to win MVP this year. The Nets are going to the NBA Finals. That's all I have to say about the uh, NBA. NHL, Steve and I, with Adam, are going to record our Western Division preview later today, as well as our uh, top five right wingers on that pod. Uh, Strictly Baseball. We might do this one, one this week uh, about the trades, but we're going to touch on that stuff now. So there's been some big trades in baseball in the last two days. Uh, Josh Bell to the Washington Nationals. We don't have to touch on that one that much. Bell had a really great 2019. He was a stellar top five, almost first baseman offensively. This year went back to normal a little bit. Washington's hoping we can get somewhere in the middle of 19 and 20. 
and he could be a top 10 first baseman switch hitter young in his prime. Uh, I like the deal for Washington, basically no risk. You know, the guy's going to hit home runs. He's going to be a better option than anyone else they have at first base. So I like that deal for Washington. Uh, but here's the deal that uh, Steve was talking about when we let off the pod, Blake Snell traded the San Diego Padres. And uh, I'm going to pull up the return here that the Rays got. So they got Luis Patino, starting pitcher, 21 years old, tops 100 miles per hour. It's another one of those moves. The Rays are looking a lot like they did with Glass now. We like the tools. We like the stuff. We can use our Tampa Bay guru magic on the pitchers. And Patino can be a stud for us in a year or two. But then they got Francisco Mejia. He was a catching prospect in Cleveland. Didn't get a chance there. Prospect in San Diego. Didn't really get a chance there. And now Tampa in need of catchers. They re-signed Zanino. We all know they don't like Zanino. He's a swinger miss guy. They want someone else to come in there. Mejia could possibly be that guy. Although they also got someone from Texas. A catching prospect as well. Uh, and then they also got Blake Hunt and Cole Wilcox. Two prospects from Snell. So as a Rays fan, Steve, you kind of, I mean, you predicted this three weeks ago already on Strictly Baseball. You said Snell should be traded. What do you think about this trade? Yeah, I mean, I I would be crazy to say I, I didn't see this coming. I, I'm shocked because I it, it actually went through. But um, we talked about it after the World Series when when Cash pulled him. And I think I woke up the next morning and I go, yeah, this is not going to be good. Because the way everything went down, he was pitching a great great game in the world series and gets pulled and hold on one second and uh yeah he gets he gets pulled in that game just left a bad taste in everyone's mouth i think he to be honest i think he said he didn't want to play another game in a raised uniform i think after everything that happens I just don't see how he was going to step back on that mound with Kevin Cash and the same thing after everything happened. And yeah, I think him being gone, going to San Diego, it gets rid of a bad contract. Um, you give that money to Glass now, give it to your other players that you need, need to resign, like a Rosarena, Lau, Meadows down the road. So um, disappointing to see him go. The, the, the depth and the pitching rotation for the race is going to be uh, not what we saw last year, but if they can do what they've been doing with their all the rest of their trades of the archer trade and build these prospects up, then hey, it, it maybe it'll work out. But um, just disappointed to see one of your aces go and gotta gotta find a replacement quick. Yeah, it's just disappointing for the Rays. You know, it's inevitable. Now they're trading, trying to trade Kiermeyer, which they should do. It's clearing cap a little bit. Well, not cap because there's no salary cap, but salary that they'd be clearing. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Patino could end up being good. I mean, he was a top-ranked prospect for San Diego. I mean, anytime you get a 21-year-old pitcher that you have five years of control on that throws 100, I'm willing to take a flyer. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's just deflating, especially because they lost Morton. So now two-thirds of that stellar top three are gone, and now you're just left with Glasnow, who had his up and downs in the postseason. Uh, I think Yanni Chirinos is out uh, for parts of next year. Uh, if I'm is is he out for parts of next year? I think so. I think he had Tommy John. If yeah, I'm so he's done. So he's done for 21. So you, you know you got Snell, Yarborough, maybe Patino, I'm Michael Walker. I'm at Glasnow, uh, and then Michael Walker. Yeah, he's been up and down for years. Uh, and then who knows for that five spot? I think you know they got Josh Fleming, Brett Honeywell, Shane Boz. So the Rays have people up the ass. I, I say it all the time. 
They got people that come out of nowhere. They use their guru, and then somehow they're top 10 pitchers in the league. Uh, but then the Padres made another deal, and now is when we can obsess over the Padres because A.J. Preller, I tweeted it out. When he started his tenure in San Diego, he almost ruined the Padres. He cleared their farm system, got players that didn't pan out, and everyone's like, wow, young GM trying to look all cocky, making these big deals, giving away his farm system. Then he's like, you know what? I'm going to build a farm system, and that's exactly what he did. He is now traded for Mike Clevenger, who's not going to pitch this year, by the way, with Tommy John, Blake Snell, and Yu Darvish. And he didn't give up Mackenzie Gore, who's the number five prospect in baseball. He didn't give up the catching prospect, Compusano, who can be a really stellar stat. I mean, if you look at his minor league stats, he's incredible. He had like a 385 on base, 316 average, 20-something home runs in AAA. The dude's legit. Um, and then they didn't give up their shortstop prospect, which they don't even need a shortstop prospect because they have Tatis. And now they signed uh, an Asian guy. I forget his name. They signed an Asian guy. Uh, he's either from Korea or Japan. He had 30 home runs in one of those leagues. They're going to have him play second base. And Cronenworth moved to left field. But So they traded for you, Darvish. They also got Darvish's personal catcher, uh, Victor Caratini, in that deal. And they gave away Zach Davies, who they were losing after this year anyway, along with Reginald Preciado, Owen Cassier, and Yason Santana. So all of those guys that I just named for San Diego, they don't need them. So now they have a rotation going into this year. Snell, Darvish, Lamette, Paddock, and probably Gore. Right there, you potentially have five number ones in your rotation. And then next year, you have Clevenger and one of those guys – is either going to get traded or move to the bullpen. San Diego stacked pitching-wise. Lineup, they need a little bit more work. I think if Compusano can come up and be a legit guy, you have him, Tatis, Machado, Grissom, Pham. That's five legit bats. Cronenworth hit really well. If that Asian guy can come in, do anything close to what he did uh, last year in the big leagues, this Padres team might be the best team in the National League. Yeah, no, they're finally making moves to to win. And I was reading a good article um, on ESPN Plus, and they were saying how like the uh, the Padres are are making moves for the first time in in their franchise history. It seems like they're they're actually making a push to win. And they they there was hints of that when they made the trade for Clevenger. Unfortunately, he blows his arm up. Um, hopefully, he gets back to where he was when he gets healthy again. But no, they're they're doing the right things to win the World Series and. And to be in that, be a perennial contender this year. So um, good to see them. We we call we said last year that they were going to be, um, you know, breaking the door down. So hopefully everything works out. Everyone stays healthy, and the Padres will be right there. I think in the CS. So um, they're doing their, all the right things in the front office, and just got to translate on the field. And we were talking about it uh, before the pod. You know, these small market teams that have trouble winning. San Diego, relatively small market because they don't win a lot. I know it's in California. But it's a relative – I mean, San Diego, it's the only pro team in San Diego now. So technically it is a little bit of a small market. And uh, I like seeing them win. I want to see the Dodgers dethroned. They won their ring. No more sympathy. I could watch the Dodgers lose for the next 25 years and not care. Go Padres. Win that NL West this year. I want to see it. Hopefully it happens. We'll have a Strictly Baseball maybe later this week. Next week we'll figure it out. Uh, Steve and I are going to record Strictly Hockey in a few minutes. We'll have that out later today. My dad and I are doing Strictly Rangers either tonight or tomorrow. I'm doing Strictly Yankees tomorrow. So we got all these pods coming out this week. Um, so for this edition of Strictly Sports, for CJ Uri, Steve Cashin, I am Jacob Brown, and we will see you next week.